Boom, ladies and gentlemen. It's your boy, Nolan Hawkeye Anthony, here with just pure invigoration, ready to get this done. This is actually me and Dean's third attempt uh, to get this going. But nonetheless, it's here. Uh, I was on my way back from uh, Los Angeles. I'm not going to get into actually where I was because even people who live in L.A. don't really understand the suburbs that much. Um, but uh, got, on my way back, and me and Dean were trying to do the podcast, but it just kept uh, cutting in and out. That's fine. Before uh, I introduce my partner in crime, I want to mention going to 247hawkeye.com. We will have uh, football stuff, of course, continuing, uh, but no question basketball stuff. I mean, uh, that is really – basketball has been the thing that has really allowed 247 Hawkeye to, to take off, you know. And, uh, it, you know, I kind of stood on one leg last year, uh, and that's just kind of how it goes sometimes. But uh, I'm with my partner, Dean, and and how you doing, partner? I, I, I want to ramp this up, but first and foremost, how you doing, partner? I'm doing good. Thank you. It's, I'm so happy to have you uh, for the third time, <laughs> and uh, this we, we have a lot to get to. And before we, you know, fully dive into all the uh, great storylines going on right now, you know, I just want to mention, and and this is me and Dean kind of got off to a hot, hot start when we uh, were talking about this last time, but I mentioned how. Fran McCaffrey, this season is the epitome of success for an individual like myself uh, and Dean, uh, who, and, you know, just, just more clearly, I mean, my, for myself, putting myself on camera multiple times, betting people money, even though I'm a Christian, I, you know, I know I shouldn't do that, but betting people money last year that the Hawkeyes would easily win more than 15 games. This is, and then being in an incredible amount of arguments with people over uh, how good uh, Fran McCaffrey is as a coach, how good the Iowa Hawkeyes are as a program. And the bottom line is this is the epitome. This season is the epitome of all of that. And so there is, you know, I got freaking COVID. If it weren't for COVID, this season would have 10, in my opinion, 10 times more uh, juice than it already has. And, you know, another thing I want to mention, and I'm going to pass, pass the ball over to Dean. And by the way, guys, this is, uh, I didn't mention, give us a follow on Twitter at 247Hawkeye. Give us a follow on Instagram at official247hawkeye.com page. I know that's a long uh, handle, but it is what it is. On Twitter, you guys can watch our podcast. This one's going to be live on, on Periscope uh, today. So, uh, again, at 247hawkeye. But, you know, uh, one of the aspects that we're going to get into today is the Iowa Hawkeye uh, basketball defense, and this is the NHA podcast, episode 99 Iowa Hoops Edition Part 2. So this is big time. <laughs> but, uh, Dean, if you really think about it, this Iowa basketball program has kind of, you know, lately they have been rejuvenated is, uh, when it comes to offense. I mean, they have got – Fran McCaffrey knows who he wants. He gets who he wants, and, that you know, uh, he has it. 
Um, And I think that really changed after, I think, in my opinion, the Mike Gazelle and Adam Woodbury class from then on, the Iowa Hawkeyes went more towards what they could be offensively. But before that, they were always a top six defensive team. They always defended the ball. And so where they're at right now, it's just very interesting. And uh, I brought up Steve Alford, uh, not just now, but last time me and you talked, Dean. Mm -hmm. You know, Steve Alford, in my opinion, did not leave Iowa in a better place than where he found it. Fran McCaffrey could have left the program three years ago and left the program in a better place than where he found it. Todd Licklider, uh, you know, continued coaching the program like like Coach Butler, you know, getting guys that were a little bit smaller but worked hard and things like that, not really swinging the pendulum of, of Big Ten basketball and saying, hey, come play Big Ten basketball, you know, with the big boys and come play for Iowa. And, and you know, that – Todd Licklider, for most people, I thought he was going to be successful. If you're successful at Butler, you should be successful at Iowa, even though we haven't really seen that uh, come to fruition. We, we've seen that with Indiana basketball and their coach right now that, you know, they aren't doing as well as uh, people have thought. But, uh, for, you know, Fran McCaffrey, in my eyes, Dean, has just sur- really lived up to and more to all expectations. And this season, depending on what happens, he can absolutely blow them uh, through, through, you know, blow the door off of it. So, you know, what, what are your thoughts on, on what I just said, Dean? Okay. Well, first of all, um, Brad McCaffrey has brought this team back from the, the trash. Steve Alford. He, uh, uh, Licklider left this program in such a horrible shape as did, um, Alford, but Alford has done something that Brad McCaffrey hasn't done yet. He's won two um, Big Ten title tournaments plus a runner-up Big Ten title. That's true. Um, so, two uh, Big Ten tournament titles. Yep. Right. Yeah. And plus they're a runner-up in another tournament title um, game. But um, absolutely. Yeah. Right. I think Alford's problem was is when they hired him, he was supposed to take the program beyond what Tom Davis did. Tom Davis had it going to Sweet 16s, rounds of 32, all the time. Um, with the, I, he, and he came on the verge of a Final Four. We know that, but that didn't happen. Um, so, Fran McCaffrey now is left with the charge of elevating this program past wherever Tom Davis got it, and it's time to get it there. And this year, I think we're going to get it there. We just need to sustain it after this year. Um, if that makes sense. <laughs> oh, it, it makes a hundred percent sense. Uh, if that's even a saying, I think that should be a t-shirt. It makes a hundred percent sense. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, that's True. a good one. I like that one. <laughs> you know, yeah. and I had never thought about that before. You know, Todd Licklider really did have an excellent opportunity. You know, Iowa was not <clears throat> in a terrible position when Licklider took over. Uh, mm-hmm. He just literally when he got the job, he just went down. I mean, b- downward. And and a big part of it was he struggled to secure top Iowa guys. You know, um, every successful Iowa coach it has at least an, a high 80% to 90% clip of hitting uh, high-level Iowa guys. And Fran McCaffrey is easily in the 90%. 
which, uh, you know, brings me to Peyton Sanford, you know, because we can talk about uh, Licklider and, and those guys all day, but um, Peyton Sanford is, is more than likely going to be the lone wolf commit for the Iowa Hawkeyes in this uh, class. Iowa was looking at um, – there, uh, there was a guy named Trey James or Trey Jones. He, he was a 6'10 guy. I think out of the state of Kentucky, uh, that w- that was like a surefire commit to Iowa, and then Iona came in, uh, who is coached by um, Rick Pitino, and uh, and and he out he out recruited Iowa on that one. He got the the big guy to commit, and so Iowa was kind of behind the eight ball there. But their eyes were always on Peyton Sanford. Peyton Sanford was always the guy. And, you know, in-state Iowans <laughs> can argue um, about Tucker DeVries and argue about Amarion Ellis, the 247 sports four-star guy out of Iowa. But uh, if you ask most people, Peyton Sanford is the top recruit out of the state. He's the most polished. He's the most uh, – has the highest upside. And, you know, I'll just give some examples, uh, for, you know, for, for me, Dean, uh, from what I read, he played against a kid uh, who is in the 20, who's ranked number one in the 2022 class nationally, not in the state, nationally. Mm-hmm. And uh, Peyton Sanford and this kid went back and forth. Both of them dropped 40 points uh, and uh, – uh, Peyton Sanford's team lost by two points in that AAU game, which is because, you know, most people don't understand this. Um, Peyton Sanford does not play for a, a shoe uh, a shoe sponsored team, and shoe sponsored teams are not that not that other AAU teams can't be good, but shoe sponsored teams usually have the real deal guys. So the fact that Peyton Sanford was even able to do what he did on a non-shoot-sponsored team is incredible. Uh, and so that's one thing. The other thing is uh, the offer he got, Dean, was right after the very first time uh, Fran McCaffrey watched him in person at a top 40 uh, basketball camp, I think in the Midwest or something like that. So that's another thing that that's big time. Uh, you know, for me, I look at this and, and I'll give my thoughts on Peyton Sanford's game here in a second, but I just want your thoughts on this. But, you know, to me, this really reminds me of uh, Peter Jock and his class. Iowa felt really good about him, even though he had had a couple knee injuries. And, to, and folks, if you don't remember, Peter Jock was a top 10 uh, guy in the country before his knee, uh, you know, dropped out on him. And that's just what happens sometimes. And he ended up having a fantastic career at Iowa. I mean, I thought he was going to play in the NBA just because of where the NBA was going with the three-point shot, but he's just not quite athletic enough. But uh, mm-hmm. he's, he reminds me uh, the confidence that Iowa had in Peter Jock. And remember, Dean, Peter Jock started right away. Uh, he, he was a six man actually for a little bit, but then he got, uh, he was inserted into the starting lineup. Peyton Sanford to me is very similar. So what, what are your thoughts on, on, on uh, this commitment? 
Okay. I think they've got a good one in Peyton. Um, he is six eight guy who can shoot from the outside. He can shoot yep. from the inside. He can rebound. He can play the post. Uh, this guy's got it all. Basically, he's he's all five. He's all five people in one guy. <laughs> and you know, and, and you know, and you know how Fran likes to play. He likes to have some flexibility and have guys be able to play multiple positions. So this guy fits fits the current Iowa mode. Uh, so he's going to fit right in and be able to do things right away with Iowa. That is an excellent assessment. And before, uh, you, there was something else you you brought up earlier in the day in our conversation about uh, Peyton. Uh, I can't remember what it, what it was. I think you were comparing. Oh, you were talking. You you said that um, that Fran McCaffrey felt good about him being the lone wolf in this class because he feels really good about his five man class in the class. Right. That is currently with the Iowa Hawkeyes. So I'll give you credit for that, Dean. You're the one who yeah. said that, and I absolutely right. agree. Yeah, go ahead. No, yeah, and I I did say that this morning. Um, I, <laughs> I had some good things to say this morning. Let's hope I can remember them all. <laughs> well, there, there but, it is. Um, I'm giving you credit for that one. That one's all yours. <laughs> and I can listen, dude. I completely yeah. agree with that. The, uh, I have written many articles on that five-man class. And that class really kind of came together late uh, as mm -hmm. well. And also you said that it would not surprise you if Iowa picked up a guy late that they felt comfortable with. And, um, you know, I'll, mm -hmm. I'll address that one really quickly. Okay. I would be very surprised if that happens because uh, I think Iowa is is – is putting all their not all their marbles, but th th they're going full fledge uh, uh, with this season, with the schedule, and they are in on some very high level guys. And at the very least, if they if they if they can hit on one of them, that would be great. And hit on you know two other high three star guys, that'd be great. But right now, they are well positioned for three. Mm -hmm. Uh, solid four-star guys. So I think that is what's going on is that Iowa is fully expecting to be in on these four-star guys uh, due to the uh, the success that they believe that they're going to have this season. Now, mm -hmm. I do think that's a little risky because, you know, just like this Iowa football team, which I, which I, I, I thought about this before coming on, Dean, and, and we can mm -hmm. talk about this after the Minnesota game. Uh, and maybe my opinion will change after that. And I don't want to stay too long on this, but there's not really one opinion that I had about the football team that has changed at all right now. The only thing that I would say that is a little bit altered uh, is because they've only lost by a combined five points uh, in their two games versus teams that are a combined five and oh. Uh, the mm -hmm. only thing that I would say is maybe Spencer hasn't played as well as I thought he would play um, out of out of the break, and the wide receivers haven't done as well either. But outside of that, you know, they haven't really disappointed, which we can talk about after the Minnesota game as well. What do you think on that, really quick? Um, I agree with you. Um, after those first two games, I was kind of wondering, but the more we look at it, the more yeah. this is all out there in front of them still. The Big Ten West is probably not in their reach, but mathematically it is. But yeah. um, so, yeah, yeah at I least think, a second place finish. Yeah, 
Yeah. So they still have a lot to play for in front of them, plus something called a Duke Mayo Bowl. <laughs> oh, yeah. I like that. What is that? <laughs> it's 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 that CBS is projecting Iowa's bowl, bowl to go to at the end of the season. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd be shocked if Iowa plays in a bowl game like that too, because they just have – you know, the fan travel, but, you know, fan travel may not play into it this year. But anyway, let's go back to basketball. That's hilarious. Well, we'll I'm going to jot that down so that we don't forget uh, about it after the Minnesota game. Okay. But uh, the, the, the thing that I was going to say with this, with the, with, with the basketball is we know that some guys are going to red shirt of the uh, probably three of the five guys. Uh, three are probably going to red shirt. And the upside for any of the five guys is tremendously high. So you take that plus going uh, solidly in on this, on the 2022 class, uh, suspecting that you're going to have a good basketball season uh, is probably the way to go. However, the point that I was making is that if there is a guy, as, as Dean made a point earlier today, that you feel comfortable with, I think if you're Iowa, you need to take it because uh, number one, if you anytime you feel comfortable about a guy in any recruiting process, if you have the spot, you need to take it because uh, you know uh, who knows if it'll be there later. Uh, projections are much harder than what is actually right in front of you. Also, uh, you know, if Iowa. D- as we're seeing with the football season, and the point that I was making with the football season is that the that Iowa football still has everything in front of them. They can still finish the season solid. Uh, but it has not started the way most people thought. They're a very talented team. They aren't on the same level as the basketball team. But the point is, is that just like the football team is very talented, the basketball team is as well. And things may not shape up like we are hoping and expecting. Now, I highly doubt it, but it is a possibility. At the very least, it's a possibility. So uh, in my opinion, Dean, if there's a guy late in this recruiting process that uh, that any of the assistant coaches or Fran McCaffrey sees, in my opinion, they got to take him. What do you think? Oh, absolutely, especially if the person can play defense because – in order for Iowa to achieve the things that they're expected to achieve this year, they need to improve their defense. The defense must step up, and France mentioned that even itself, that in order to achieve those things, defense must ha- come forward, and he believes it will this year. Yes, and, and that leads uh, into, the ne- into the next segment perfectly. You know, the last thing that I'll say is that I do think Peyton Sanford will be the lone recruit in this class. Peyton Sanford himself, number one, he's a very confident guy. Uh, Number two, his his skills aren't even completely developed yet, and he already has a very refined game. He's not crazy athletic, and no, he is not what people say uh, deceptively athletic, which is, you know, code for an athletic white guy. You know, I wouldn't even say that. Uh, you know, he still needs to work on his athleticism, but there is no question the skill that this guy has uh, and the way that uh, the Iowa Hawkeyes play, he fits in perfectly. 
I mean, in my eyes, Dean, with the, with the lower body that he has, the way he plays, the way he rebounds and things like that, uh, the, the comp that I would give him is Jared Utoff. I think Jared Utoff was probably a little bit more explosive. But both of them uh, rebound, both of them block shots. That's why Jared Utoff was such an incremental piece for the, for the Hawkeyes. If only he had, a, a, you know, a tag team guy or a more well-rounded team around him like uh, Garza. But, uh, you know, um, uh, Jared Utoff, he could play the three. He was athletic enough to play the three on both defense and offense. He could play the four. And even at times, if you absolutely needed, he could play the five. Now, I'm not saying that and, – and that rarely happens, but but Peyton allows uh, – it, it, in the future, he will allow the Hawkeyes to put him at the four and he can rebound and do things like that where you don't have to put a 6'11 guy like Jack Nungy at the four – and, and wonder if teams are going to be a little bit quicker than you and things like that. So, you know, I'm – Dean, I'm really high on Peyton. He's a g- good defender, good offensively, and he still has a ton of upside. All right. Uh, again, folks, go to 247hawkeye.com. Also, give us a follow on Twitter at 247hawkeye and Instagram at official247hawkeye.com page. Uh, the next thing that, you know, that we need to talk about is the Iowa Hawkeye defense. Iowa, the last two seasons, has been much improved. You know, when two two seasons ago, you know, when Tyler Cook was the quote-unquote best player, I really thought that that team was going to have like a top 70 defense, and, and that just didn't happen. You know, there were there were times when they would defend really hard, but they just had – they just didn't have the guys, Dean. You know, C.J. Frederick mm-hmm. wasn't playing that year. Uh, Jordan Bohannon has limitations uh, on the defensive right. side. He does. Um, he does. And, and so, you know, uh, Iowa got – when teams had more athletic guards, uh, they would struggle a little bit. Now, <clears throat> with this team, with guys like Joe Toussaint and, and individual defenders like Joe – um, you know, Joe Wieskamp, uh, C.J. Frederick, Connor McCaffrey, you know, I fully expect things to be different. This Iowa team, if they want to make it to where they want to make it, must become at the bare minimum a top 75 defensive team because there will come a game where the offense just is not there, they're not hitting shots, and they have to get stops. Uh, and and that's what it's got to be. Uh, Dean, give me some of your thoughts on the on the defensive side of the ball and uh, how how you think the Hawkeyes are going to shape up this year defensively. Well, I think that they will improve. Um, Joe Joe Joseph Stott. I can't Stott. even say his name now. I'm sorry. Yes, he um, <clears throat> he will actually be a force this year because. He played so fast last year that he didn't realize how fast the game really was, and he played faster than it, than the game even at times. And so, I think this year he settles down, and he's going to actually be one of our best defenders, I believe, this year, along with CJ. I think those totally. two are going to really, really, really do a good job at um, defender. And I got to believe 
because of the de- they need some defense and they need a little flexibility that Tyler Eulis is going to be a great defender. And I think he's going to see his share of playing time this year that he's going to get yeah, in the I, minutes. And- it's Aaron Eulis, excuse me. Tyler Eulis is the, is the older brother, but yes, I agree with you there as well. Go ahead. Okay. Continue. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. Um, so he's going to, he's going to get in there and, and, um, put some hands on the ball. They won't need him to score this year. Um, Eulis, he just needs to get in there, and when he's given minutes to, you know, give uh, either Jordan a break or Wieskamp a break or CJ a break because he could play all three spots. He just needs to go in there, give a few minutes rest, play hard as he can on defense. You know, maybe make an assist or two if he has to, but they're not going to need. You don't look for him to be a scorer this year. He'll probably be a lot like Joe Toussaint was last year. Um, Coming in, giving some – well, Joe Tostant really ended up starting a lot at the – so um, <clears throat> out of necessity. So, yeah, um, I don't – I don't see Luca Luca being much of a defender again. They're just going to feed him the ball, you know, because Luca. I would love to see Luca become a shot blocker and – and things like he that, you know. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't foresee him being a big time shot blocker or becoming a crazy defensive uh, presence. I do think that he can be better, you know, in the eyes of basketball gurus and people like that. But I, I, I don't think he'll be a Jared Utah or even an Adam Wood, Woodbury. I agree. No, and that's absolutely. And Adam Woodenberry was was not the sc- score that um, Garza is. Right. <laughs> Even that would frustrate me at times when Woodbury would go and get a point blank dunk, and he wouldn't. It wouldn't go in. Gosh, um, Woodbury. But anyway, probably, that's Wood, Woodbury's probably the most disappointing. Unfortunately, even though he gave a lot of great minutes for the Hawkeyes, he he probably ended up being the most disappointing player. Uh, that uh, Fran McCaffrey has recruited, you know, because he, I mean, Dean, mm-hmm. he was a top 50 recruit. I mean, he had offers from North right. Carolina. I mean, the whole nine yards. So, but yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Roy Williams tried to take him out from under us. Anyway, um, so yeah, you know, like I said earlier, the in order for them to win these games against the North Carolinas and the Gonzagas and the, and the, and the Illinois and the Michigan States and the Wisconsin and the big 10, they're going to need some defense. They're going to have to come up with defense. I mean, these guys can score. Yeah. They almost can score at will. They've got so many freaking scores on the team. They should be, they probably will be again, one of the highest scoring teams in the big 10. I know they were close to it last year. I'm not sure if they finished as the highest scoring team or not, well, but they were the right up there at the top. Yeah, I'm looking at that and, uh, up right now. Yeah. So, um, yeah, defense. That's the key. To, that's the key this year. Let's play defense if we want to get to the Sweet 16, um, Elite Eight, and Final Four. Iowa. Now, now Ken Palm is is a more is a better uh, gauge of how good a, a defense is, and I'm pulling that up mm-hmm. uh, right now. But Iowa, uh, just pure stats-wise uh, on defense, uh, was tied for 257th uh, in points allowed. Now, again, the up-tempo, the amount of possessions that the other team gets due to the way that Iowa plays, you know, that is all taken into account for Ken Palm. But just looking at opponents' po- points per game, 
Iowa was 257th in the country. That needs, and I understand the up-tempo, how Iowa plays, but that, no question, that needs to get uh, to uh, at least top 150 in the country. Uh, You know, that's just where it needs to be. Now, I'm not sure if Aaron Eulis is going to be one of the uh, freshmen to start, but what I do know is this. You know, I said when Jordan Bohannon, you know, went out, and I think it was the correct decision, and I think, you know, some people got mad at me for saying this, but it's just a reality. Having played Division I sports, I know how it works. You know, that gave Joe Toussaint an opportunity to show what he could do. And quite frankly, Joe really did take – he took the ball and ran with it. You know, there were were definitely some areas of concern and, and, and weakness, but th- there are some things that that guy can do athletically that uh, few uh, men on this earth can do. Uh, and it, it was just incredible. I mean, I remember the the uh, run from behind block, I think it was against Michigan or Wisconsin, that he had where he met a 6'7 guy at the rim. I mean, I, I, it just blew my mind. But, uh, the, you know, the, the bottom line is this, and the reason why I brought up where Iowa was defensively earlier in um, Fran McCaffrey's career is to say that, you know, Fran McCaffrey is not a bad defensive coach. Uh, you know, Iowa has been able to play defense if they have the pieces to do so. And this year they do. Listen, Luca Garza is not going to all of a sudden become – a crazy shot blocker. Okay, that's just not going to happen. But he can become better. He can at least, uh, you know, get his his blocks up from last year. He can continue being an incredible rebounder. Where I see the change is the perimeter defense with Connor McCaffrey, C.J. Frederick, and Joe Toussaint. I mean, there are some lineups that this Iowa Hawkeye team can 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 go into if things aren't going right. I mean, if if shots aren't falling and Iowa needs to get stops, they can put a lineup out there with guys like Connor. I mean, they can literally throw out Joe Toussaint, C.J. Frederick, and Connor McCaffrey all at the same time and still have decent offensive production as well. It's not as though when you put them in, the offensive production goes way down. It's not like that. Uh, it'll go down, but it, it's not going to go way down. Uh but the defensive production will go way up. So there's just so many lineups that this uh, Iowa team can go to that is uh, incredible. And But the bottom line is this defense is all about, at the end of the day, you can have great individual defenders, but it comes down to how, how much the team as a unit wants to defend and on on every given night, it comes to, so for me, it comes down to as a team how much they want to defend consistency, uh, and uh, j- just in general, defense and and rebounding is is a desire type skill, and uh, hopefully Iowa has that uh, you know this season. Pulling up the Ken Palm stats here from last year, I think Iowa Iowa finished 12th in the country last year for Ken Palm, which is unreal. I mean, they really uh, were incredible. Um, 
you know, uh, another thing that I want to bring up really quickly, you know, while we're on talking about some of the guys, Dean, is uh, Luca Garza Mm -hmm. and Joe Wieskamp's um, uh, accolades, preseason accolades. And you and me both know that preseason accolades aren't the end-all, be-all, but they're nice. Uh, and Joe Luca Garza was named the number one player by CBS Sports, and Joe Wieskamp was rated the 40th best player by CBS Sports. Uh, they were both uh, – were they both first-team All-Big Ten, Dean? That's my understanding, yes, that they both were first-team. Um, the way they announced it was is they are both – um, first team, all Big Ten out of the eight selected. Uh, unbelievable. That's so. awesome. Also, I just want to go back to the defense. Uh, for Ken Palm, Iowa's adjusted offense was <laughs> fifth in the country, and their adjusted defense was 97th, and they actually finished 23rd in the country by Ken Palm. But uh, th- that's that's big time. And, you know, I always say this, and this is why I had tremendous – hope for Iowa last year and knew that they would be just fine. Basketball ultimately comes down to who has the best player on the court and usually, and, and, and to a lesser extent, the pieces around him, but also it's usually the top two guys. And Dean, there will be very few games, if any, that number one, the opposing team has a better player than Luca Garza production wise. And then secondly, has two guys that are better than Joe and, and Luca. For you, what would be a mm-hmm. productive season for Joe and Luca? Uh, maybe not combined, maybe not combined separately. I mean, if you if you have something in your mind for a, a productive season combined statistically, then fine. But individually, what would be a productive season for them? Well, honestly, Joe's got to get out of that funk he was in last year. Um, He needs to be consistently, you know, 15, 14 points a game consistently. He can't disappear in any games like he did last year. It just seemed like he would disappear. And then he'd lose his confidence. And then all of a sudden you'd see he'd have wide open shots and he wasn't taking them because he lost his confidence in shooting. Um, so that's a big thing. By the way, I want to congratulate um, Joe Wieskamp because he is now officially engaged. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, I did not know that. And, you know, listen, I'm 25 years old. Uh, his uh, <laughs> his soon-to-be wife is, is beautiful. She's very bonny, uh, an English word, Scottish word. Uh, that means beautiful. Um, and, uh, yeah. And her sister is on the, the Iowa women's team as well. So yes, congratulations are, uh, you know, there for Joe Wieskamp. Yay. That's all, aw- you know, that is awesome. I mean, that shows that he's yeah. a mature kid, you know, I mean, only at Christian universities, uh, do, um, young people like that get married so young. Uh, you know, at Christian, I remember at the Christian University I went to, uh, the saying was, uh, "Ring by spring." Uh, so, uh, but <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, uh, you know, uh, oh on the gosh. Iowa campus, you know, I, I I think it's probably the opposite, uh, if I had to guess. But so, yes, that's that's awesome, and. Uh, Hopefully he's as engaged in hoops as he is engaged right now uh, to his future wife. So yeah, 
Yeah. Well, that's what I'm. That's what I'm hoping for. I brought that up because because I just had a I had a, just had a feeling that at times his love life might have been getting yeah, in the way. Not, no, no, you're right. <laughs> it's possible. Listen, I. Yeah. Basketball life. Although his girlfriend went out and just lit it up for right. the Iowa women, so she didn't let that romance go yeah, her way. <laughs> isn't that funny how it works for the guy? Usually, it affects their stuff, but for the woman, it doesn't. They just go on and keep rolling. Uh, but uh, yeah, you know, another thing with Joe and, and listen, guys. You know what Dean said. I, you know, I'm not saying that that it's true, but it's absolutely possible in, in a sport like basketball, where you know. Uh, how your focus is paramount to just scoring a single bucket. Anything can cause a disruption in your production. Uh, with Joe, though, what I, what I think from a basketball standpoint that will help him, and this is why I think Tony Perkins may be the guy who is not redshirted. Iowa did not have a a two, three guy, you know, a shooting guard, small forward guy who could relieve Joe. I mean, Joe was playing 33, 35 minutes a game. And a lot of times, mm-hmm. and he was asked to do a lot on the defensive end. A lot of times he would lose his legs and he's a shooter. Um, now, hopefully mm-hmm. that has re- caused him to refine his game to 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 find ways to to get fouled and and make easy buckets from the free throw line because scoring is a skill. You know, uh the best scorers in the world find a way to get to the free throw line. Uh they find they, they can score at all three levels. Joe can score from the three-point line. We have not really seen a mid-range game from him. Peter Jock had that. Uh, Peter Jock could score mm-hmm. from the second and third level fantastically. Joe can get to the rim, mm-hmm. but we haven't seen the complete finish of that, and hopefully we see that. So the two things that I just said, number one, hopefully Fran fi- finds a guy that can relieve Joe of some minutes to give his legs some rest. Also, hopefully Joe is trained mm-hmm. more to, to – if he has to play 35 minutes, that he can do so and, and, and be effective. And then also, hopefully, he has worked on uh, the skill of getting fouled, getting to the rim, scoring easy points, and also just in general getting to the rim and finishing. Uh, so, yeah, what do you think about that, Dean? All right. I think that's a great assessment of his skill set and and what he needs to do to improve. Uh, but having having somebody come in and just giving him a blow every now and then to rest those legs would absolutely be be absolutely paramount because it needs you know something has to change from it last does. year. And and he averaged um, fourteen points a game went, last year, but but it wasn't what we were expecting. We were all expecting. Now, I, when I say we, I don't – I'm not saying me. I, I, I was probably the lone wolf <laughs> in this in, in thinking – now, I'm not going to say that I thought Luca Garza would become what he became last year because I, I did not think that. Mm-hmm. But I did see the progression that Luca was making, and I did see the work that he put in in the offseason 
And so I thought that it could be Luca mm-hmm. or Joe. And, you know, all I have to say is go and watch the tape and you'll see that, uh, that I said that, you know, prior to last year's season. But from for most people, the expectation was Joe was going to be the guy. But, yeah, go ahead, Dean. Yeah. So with the expectation for Luca is he's going to be double teamed a lot. And, you know, he, he's actually capable of working yes. through those double teams and drawing fouls. He proved that last year. Um, but the nice thing he's going to have is he's going to have four guys out there on the perimeter that can just fire the ball. So this year he's going to be able to find an open um, guy out on the rim and, and, um, and just, you know, put yeah. the ball back out there and they'll just yep. put it back. Totally, up. totally agree. And um, so, yeah, you cannot, these guys can, you know, it's, it's like I heard Fran McCaffrey say in his interview the other day is pick your point. If you're going to double team one of my guys, pick your poison because any one of these guys can go off. And, and that's <laughs> absolutely true. Every single, the top seven guys for Iowa, any one of those guys are capable mm-hmm. on any given night for going for 20. I mean, that's a hundred percent the case. Now going back to, to, to Joe, Joe will have Joe Wieskamp, that is, because of the rotations that are possible with Jordan Bohannon back, Connor McCaffrey can give him a blow at times. Uh, C- you know, CJ Frederick can come mm-hmm. in and then, you know, pushes somebody else to Joe's spot, which gives him a break. So Tony Perkins doesn't have to necessarily, and, it, and in my eyes, it's either going to be uh, Tony Perkins or one of the twins. Maybe both the twins. I'm not sure yet, but um, which we'll get to in a second. But either way, Joe will have guys to give him a breather, which should help not only on the offensive end, but the defensive end as well, which is huge. Joe, for his NBA prospects, needs to show uh, even more so uh, than that he did last year. He needs to show that he can at least be a three and D type guy in the NBA. Now I think he's more than that. I I personally do. I, you know, I, I've seen his game for two years now. He can get to the rim. Uh, Like I said, the only thing that he is missing is that mid range game, which we'll see if he has that now. So uh, we will see, but uh, with Luca Garza, I think, Jack Nunji, I think he missed Jack Nunji so much in in so many games because you know <coughs> Jack. Mm-hmm. It, when when you go back and you watch the PTL highlights, he is so smooth. He is so long. He is uh, very athletic for his size. And and Fran McCaffrey commented on Nunji saying that he is absolutely dominating, and it does not surprise me. He, McCaffrey, and myself included, and Dean for that matter, were high on Nunji last year as well. He just got hurt. Um, the, the big mm-hmm. thing for me with Nunji, I don't think he needs to force it. I think he needs to uh, just let himself get back into the rhythm of things. Uh, and, and really get going. But I do think Luca Garza missed him a lot last year in some of those very physical Big Ten games. Uh, and mm-hmm. he'll have that now, uh, which is which is massive. So um, do, do we miss anything there, Dean? Right. 
No, I, I think you, you hit it about right, which is why I think some of Garza's yeah, production will see. go down a little bit this year, just because, just because he'll have Nunji to blow him for a while. Um, that plus the fact that Jordan's back and Jordan's yes, going to be firing the ball. Uh, that's a great point. Um, Jordan's going to be just firing it, firing it. <laughs> totally agree. The other thing is this, yeah. uh, Dean, is uh, Luca Garza can still win uh, now he should have won National Player of the Year last year. Okay, I mean that would uh, don't. I mean I'm not even going to get started on that. Uh, I'll give myself an aneurysm. Uh, he was. <laughs> that just shows you. That just shows you what lack of respect Iowa still gets. You're right. Even though they got they they had the best player and they had the best player in the United States last year, and they got they get zero Absolutely respect for correct. it. Correct. And to be honest. <laughs> They aren't getting the respect that they're due this year, Dean. With the, the with the guys that they have back, if this was North, hell, if this was Dayton who did have the Player of the Year last year, they would be the number one team in America. <laughs> but because it's Iowa, mm-hmm. they're not. I mean, I saw a ranking where they were eighth. The more rankings I see, the further back I see Iowa go. Which is just ridiculous. I see that. <laughs> yeah. The coaches came out with the number six today. Yeah. And, and to me, again, that's also still too low. And my guess is that's uh, they were the second, uh, uh, this, the second highest ranked Big Ten team. Th- that, that's just ridiculous. Jordan Bohannon. Oh, they're, they're still the first highest ranked team on number for, six. For Big Ten? <laughs> Okay, that's good. Yeah, for the Big Ten on the number on the coaches, they're that's still the good highest because, ranked Big Ten team. I mean, team. folks, uh, if the, the the bottom line mm-hmm. is the national media does not truly understand what an impact Jordan Bohannon is coming back, especially for his last season. Uh, I mean, he is Jeff Horner 2.0, but just a better version. Um, you know, maybe not as good defensively, but overall probably a better version. And and then on top of that, all the guys that that had tremendous season have 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 had an extra year. All the guy to get better. All the guys that Iowa lost were not key contributors. Cordell Pencil, you know, his career just did not end up being what it should have been. It didn't. And quite frankly, Dean, it, you know, with Cordell. Virginia Tech has a has a solid program. You know, Virginia Tech has you know become pretty nice, uh, and you know I don't really see anything changing for Cordell at Virginia Tech uh, that w- was at Iowa uh, for him. Mm-hmm. But the point is, Iowa ha- hasn't lost anything, and this was a team that was knocking on the door of being a top ten team last year. They were definitely a top 25 team, but they were knocking on the door of being a top 10 team. Injuries and lack of depth prevented that from happening, but the depth is now there. It's it's back. But I swear to you, Dina, every time I see it, every time I see a new ranking, Iowa's going further back, you know, for a team that has, you know, three McDonald's <laughs> All-Americans that, 
you know, that, and of course, by week three, mm-hmm. the rankings will be completely different. Iowa will still be top 10, but the rest of the teams won't because, you know, the freshmen won't be what uh, – the, the, the freshmen won't have the production that these analysts have renobs for when it comes to, uh, you know, they, they just get way too high on these incoming freshmen, Dean. They really do. Um, yeah, hey, I got ahead. a prediction to make. Christmas Christmas week, I Iowa like will be ranked that's number a, that's one. That's a bold prediction, but I like it, and I don't disagree. <laughs> I don't disagree. And, and we're going to mark that today, 11-12. <laughs> Dean said by – what is it? By Christmas Day? Yeah, Christmas week. When the, when the rankings okay. come out Christmas week – that um, Iowa will be the new number one ranked team. Why? And you know why I say that? Because we'll be undefeated and we will just come off a Love huge it. win and, against and Gonzaga. listen, folks, it will still count if Iowa is ranked number one before <laughs> then as well. The, the, I, it, it, it won't count as much, but yeah. it'll still count. It'll be like a 75% count, which brings – this is a perfect interjection. By the way, folks, go to 247hawkeye.com. Give us a follow on Twitter at 247Hawkeye and on um, Instagram at official247hawkeye.com page. This brings us to the schedule. The the North Carolina game, which Iowa has played North Carolina at North Carolina before, which that, Dean, that was a pretty, you know, years later, that was a massive victory that the Hawkeyes had against North, Car- uh, North Carolina at Chapel Hill uh, for a highly ranked mm-hmm. North Carolina team. Uh, that was a big win for Fran McCaffrey. Uh, and Gonzaga. Yeah, that was uh, just that a few was, years ago, wasn't it? That was Mike Gonzaga's junior season. So it's about four – it's been a while. It's been four or five years. So it, it, it's been a, okay. a little bit. Okay. But – you know, I'm just going to get my thoughts on these games. For Iowa, you know, I've seen some people say that if you're Iowa, you don't want to play too many really good teams before Big Ten play or before the NCAA tournament as to tire, you know, tired yourself out before, you know, the NCAA tournament or anything like that. And I understand that concept. But the bottom line is this. If Iowa wants to get the national recognition that they can get, okay, because I think Fran McCaffrey has got this program to a position where they can make the NCAA tournament not three out of every four years, but four out of every four years. Um, And if you want to stay at that level, you have to play against some big boys. And playing against the big boys not only helps mm-hmm. on a national stage with your relevance, but it helps with recruiting as well. And for me, both of these games are rematches. Iowa beat North Carolina. Iowa lost to Gonzaga. And, and for me, Gonzaga, the, the Gonzaga loss has always been mm-hmm. the turning point for Fran McCaffrey in how he has recruited and gone <clears throat> about things. You know, he – and I've said this many times, you know, Gonzaga, the way they do things, they don't do it so much this way now, 
But the way they did do things is they would go and get guys that had tremendous upside and redshirt them, you know, maybe even gray shirt them another year, you know, have two years of them developing before they even played. And then all of a sudden, you know, you stockpile enough, uh, enough guys like that. And every single year you have new guys coming into the game that, that are, are embarking on a new tremendous season. And that Iowa has done that. Also, Iowa took a page out of Gonzaga's book by recruiting big guys, finding skilled big guys, uh, because, Mm-hmm. In college hoops, if you can get an easy bucket, if you can get 10, anywhere from 15 to 30 points a game by just dumping it down low to your big guy, th- that takes so much stress off your offense as well as your defense. And Fran McCaffrey has done that by recruiting guys like Cordell Penzel, Tyler Cook, uh, you know, Ryan Craner, uh, Luca Garza, Josh Agundale now. And so it's fantastic. Uh, Dean, what are your thoughts on these two games and Iowa uh, scheduling these two games? W- w- I mean, w- do you think that this is a big boy move? Do you think that this is the right right move? I mean, I'm, I'm just curious on your thoughts on this. Okay, absolutely it's the right move. Um, Take a page out of Michigan State. Year in and year out, they have one of the toughest non-conference Big Ten schedules. They're not afraid to take on the big boys, and that's what's developed Michigan State to what they are today. And you'll notice that sometimes they lose to some of those big games, but, boy, when it comes to the grind of the Big Ten, they prove that they're ready to handle the Big Ten, and usually, you know, they're right among the leaders of the Big Ten every year. And they're they're right there. And so I think Fran is starting to take some of that um, out of Izzo's um, playbook. You know, he's saying, hey, you know, look what Michigan State can do year in and year out with the schedule that they play. North Carolina, I mean, you know, and I do say that we'll beat them. You know, I say that now lightheartedly. Um, But um, I think North Carolina, we're playing them in Iowa City, so we're going to beat them. Me too. Yeah, I I predict it now. Way ahead of time. Even before I see the rest of the schedule, Gonzaga, we're playing them in Sioux Falls. Again, Boy, I think we can be beat them there. Game. Boy, um, that'll be a fun know, game. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be a game I'd like to be at, but unfortunately, we probably that won't be allowed to go there. That I but would however, absolutely um, be willing to pay for. You're, I am lockstep with you there. Yeah. Yeah, and we don't want to look uh, overlook the Iowa State game. I mean, he's um, he's got a lot of uh, transfers sure. in this year uh, that look like – see, I don't know what we're going to get out of Iowa State until they start playing. But last year was a, a really bad they year do for have Iowa State. What's that? But Iowa State – yeah, last year what? was a very bad year I, for Iowa State. And quick of Iowa State. They'll probably – uh, you know what? What's it? The, um, okay. Uh, what's his name of Nebraska? Uh, the Nebraska head coach now uh, had Iowa State. Yeah, Used to be uh, Iowa formerly State's Iowa State's head coach uh, had Iowa State in a tremendous position. <laughs> the current Iowa State coach has uh, the 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 first two seasons really played off of and, and what what is the former Iowa State coach's name again D- Dean do you remember 
uh, coach in the NBA. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Fred Hoiberg. Fred Hoiberg. Um, <laughs> uh, Fred Hoiberg. <laughs> Uh, mm-hmm. really positioned Iowa State for, and it's kind of like Nebraska in football, um, you know, really positioned them for, for success in the first two years. You know, Xavier Foster said that he chose Iowa State because of the, you know, the NBA prospects. Well, the truth of the matter is it was Fred Hoiberg. It wasn't the current Iowa State coach that has put that many guys into the NBA. It was Fred Hoiberg. So the, the mm-hmm. new Iowa State right. coach, is in my eyes is absolutely on the chopping block this year. Uh, he needs to show that he can win without Fred Hoiberg's guys, and so he he's on the chopping block. Dean, I I don't I I don't think he's a bad coach. I don't know if he's Fred Hoiberg, but uh, definitely uh, Iowa State should be okay. But will they be? you know, year in, year out, what Fred Hoiberg was able, able to do. I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. So, yeah, that's my uh, – yeah. the, the thing I always joked about – yeah, the thing I always joked about Fred Hoiberg's team was is he brought in the rejects, the yes, best rejects did. of everybody's team, T- people that got yeah, – people who get kicked off the other teams or had problems, and then he'd just throw out the right. ball and say, go get it. He'd get some of the best, most physical guys in the – that he could find and, and just let them basically play NBA style at, um, at Iowa state, which is why they were so successful. Um, now I think uh, this new coach, yeah, he, he first couple seasons, he did live off of Fred's yeah. um, players and stuff, but he tried to bring in more of a disciplined system, which for the players that Iowa state had at the time, doesn't work. They don't, they right. need a and more Steve less disciplined Tom's, system. Yeah, it's like throw the ball out there and let, yes, let's do a few I totally things with agree. it. You know? and, and, and Steve Prom is the name of Iowa State's head coach. Listen, folks, uh, I think this is a, is a telltale mm-hmm. year for Iowa State. Uh, the Big 12 in basketball is not the same as Big 12 in football. The Big 12 in basketball, in my opinion, is up there with the Big 10 and the ACC as far as how – and the Big East, for that matter, as far as the talent. So we shall see. But mm-hmm. but let's go back to the Iowa schedule. So, yes, I agree. Iowa State should be in there. But let's focus on uh, North Carolina and Gonzaga. Okay. Got it. <laughs> so I don't know much about North Carolina except that they which had a losing season last year. Um, yeah, which is unheard of for them. So I'm sure that they're – and they're actually ranked in the current preseason top 25, so they're expected to rebound rebound and, and have a and have another decent season uh, uh, probably not a North Carolina type season because I think they're in yeah. the lower 20s yeah. I think I have to go look that up I, I should have looked that quick. up before I'll I came on air quick. here but um okay so without off the top of my head knowing who North Carolina has I still think that they're a very very beatable team even even though they'll be a top 25 team this year um I might be talking different <laughs> if it were Duke, but it's well, not. Listen, folks, at the end of the, I think Illinois got the – I think right, Illinois right. drew Duke. Listen, folks, uh, <laughs> at the end of the day, with this game, it, you know, Dean hit the nail on the head. Michigan State, some years they lose, and that's okay. But they are on ESPN primetime, and they are a team that, you know, ESPN and Fox Sports talks about in big games. And 
you know, if you want to become mm -hmm. a, a, a known commodity in your conference, you have to play games like this. And especially when you have a roster like Iowa has this year, you have to do it. This roster is built just fine uh, to take the bumps, bumps and bruises of having a very tough schedule. Hell, last year was probably the <clears throat> toughest schedule that Iowa had ever played, and they did just fine towards the end. Yeah, the, the, the last couple games they struggled mm -hmm. uh, because they just weren't deep enough, but overall they did just fine towards the end. Uh, at the end of the day, this helps recruiting. This helps uh, Iowa basketball in general. And, you know, I think that this is going to be something that Iowa uh, continues to do uh, uh, trending forward. And the Gonzaga game, Dean, oh, my gosh, that is going to just be so freaking fun. Uh, and hopefully uh, fans can be there. Let's, uh, let's stop here uh, with, uh, you know, I'm just going to ask you outright. Um, I don't see the, the coaches poll right now. Oh, yeah, I do. Um, Baylor's number one, Gonzaga's number two, Villanova number three, Virginia number four, Kansas number five, Iowa number six, Wisconsin number seven, Duke number eight, uh, Kentucky number nine, and Illinois number ten. So there you go, folks. And North Carolina is 16. Wow, that's quite a bit of – so that just tells you right there that the coaches coaches have a different opinion about who the better teams are this year than right. the sports writers do. Because the coach the one that Iowa's right. five on is sports writers. So interesting. Still do have I, I probably a very would tend high to lean, opinion of Iowa putting them number one in the Big Ten. Mm -hmm. But I do agree with you. It, it's a little bit yeah. less than the sports it, writers. I do agree with you. Yeah. So it's not bad. They're still still have us highly ranked. They're still thinking they the coaches are still thinking I, I we're okay. I would have liked Iowa to be top five. <laughs> we're going to have a decent season. Top five. That would have been awesome because you know that's just another notch mm -hmm. on on a belt. Um, you know, you, you go ahead, Dean. Yeah, go well, ahead. Okay, so you got Kansas at number five on the in the coaches. I think a lot of that has to do because they're blue blood. Um. Uh, what surprised me though was Duke was so yeah low. Villanova same thing so, Virginia same thing anyway. uh, blue blood programs and listen folks Virginia they've only become a blue blood these last eight years okay so that shows you that Iowa can get mm -hmm. into that territory if they take the right steps so to finish this out Dean I, I want you to say who, what, what freshmen mm -hmm. you think are going to play, and I want you to get, want you to give me your starting five, and I'll give you mine, and that's how we'll end the show today. Okay, so the freshmen I think are going to play. Um, I'm going to say all of them, but Ungulundele. I can't even say his name. Yeah. I think he's the only one that doesn't play. Okay, but I think the ones that get the most playing time this year will probably be okay. Euless and maybe Perkins. I think they will get okay because of with the um, free year of eligibility, this allows Fran to get those guys into games this year and give them some on the court experience. So that's why I think Josh Undergundele is the only one who won't because from what everything yeah, I he, heard, he he's get, just not he, ready. He probably has um, the highest no, upside of any guy there but needs to get in shape he came in too late mm -hmm. yep that's a great assessment 
Okay. And then um, my starting five, Jordan at the point, um, CJ at the two, Wieskamp at the three, um, Connor at the uh, four. Love it, love Luke it, love it. Um, listen, the, the free year of <laughs> eligibility, you're absolutely right. But just for, for this – you know, uh, I think that the that the two mm-hmm. freshmen that I would pick uh, would be one of the Murray twins. I would say it's probably going to be the Murray twin that can play the three mm-hmm. and the four more versatile, uh, more with more versatility. We haven't even talked about Patrick McCaffrey, by the way, who will also help. We haven't. I kept right, thinking about right, that right. as I got. We of all the discussion, we've left him out, and he's he's fully you know, capable honestly, out there playing the three and the four. Of being a starter <laughs> this year, in my opinion. But but you know, uh, the, in my eyes, uh, whichever Murray can can be uh, can play the three and the four better uh, right away will be able to play. Uh, this year and I do think it'll probably be Tony Perkins because I think Iowa does need uh, an athletic wing defender uh, who can develop through uh, playing games rather than uh, rather than developing uh, in practice uh, and you know on their own time and I think Tony Perkins is a a perfect guy for that. My starting lineup is 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 different from Dean's. I think it's going to be Jordan Bohannon at the one, even though I could eat. If Jordan Bohannon was not so big for the Iowa program, I think Fran McCaffrey would honestly give a, a real look at if it should be Joe or Jordan. But but it, Jordan's the guy at the one. Uh, at the at the three, it's going to be Joe Wieskamp. Uh, at the four, it's going to be Jack Nunji. And at the five, it's going to be Luca Garza. And I think at the two, it's going to be Connor McCaffrey, who can handle the ball. And I think CJ Frederick's going to be coming off the bench. Uh, I can also see Patrick McCaffrey starting at the four. Uh, but uh, I do think CJ Frederick is <clears throat> going to come off the bench uh, and, and play starter type minutes. Um, but I could also see Connor McCaffrey doing that. Um, with your starting lineup, Dean, do you not see potentially that that is too small of a lineup? Um, a little bit, a little bit, but I think um, the nice thing about this lineup is yeah. you can play small ball a lot with this lineup. I mean, in, he can adjust and go big ball when he wants to. But the thing about Connor playing him at the four when I was thinking about it is, yeah, he's, he's not five, the six, biggest six, guy oh. out there on the yeah, floor. Yeah, you're right. But he you, plays you're like it. You're absolutely right. And yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. He play, he Yeah, he plays like it. But but you know, I like the spot you put him at number two. It's it's like we both see we both look at the importance yes. of finding a spot for him in the starting lineup because we both believe he's the glue that that will keep that team team set on the right course on the floor. So we both believe totally, that he needs totally to be agree. on the floor. Uh, we we are lot. lockstep there. Um, and uh, listen, folks, you know, I, I'm not saying that Dean's uh, prediction won't be correct. I mean, I think it's possible. I mean, Connor McCaffrey is a solid, very built 6'5", 6'6", guy. 
So, uh, you know, and don't forget, Joe Wieskamp mm-hmm. is six 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 seven. So it's not as though Iowa would be completely, you know, uh, you know, undersized. Uh, and also, again, I do think Pat McCaffrey may sneak in there. Who knows? Um, so, you know, um, any any mm-hmm. last uh, thoughts that, that uh, you have on this? Uh, we'll do another podcast soon. But uh, for now, any last uh, thoughts that you have before we end this out? No, I just want to say that I'm very excited for this year. I think every fan is very excited, the anticipation. And the one thing about these starting lineups is, is that that I don't know that it would be the same starting lineup every game because yeah. Fran will adjust his starting lineup to the opponent he's playing. And, but you know what? The top eight guys are going to play a lot. And I wouldn't worry about the starters so much because I think they're all going to get their minutes. The top eight guys are. So That's, it's like, it's gonna, this is going to be a fun season. I'm looking forward to it and can't wait. Isn't that than two it, weeks just away. unreal? <laughs> and I'm so happy you brought that up. Uh, listen, folks. Whoever the starting lineup is, it is what it is. The top eight guys are all going to play starter minutes or around there. Uh, so, and, you know, listen, you know, I'll be honest. I think, I think Fran sticks to about eight, nine guys. I don't think he goes as deep as 11. I, I think he's kind of learned his lesson with that. Uh, you know, I may be wrong with that, but that I think that's another <laughs> conversation for another day. Um, but I'm happy that Dean brought that up because I, I, I a thousand percent agree with that, that, th- that the top guys will get minutes no matter what. And this team is just absolutely loaded. It's only two weeks away. I love it. I love it. I love it. This is awesome. I can't wait for it. <laughs> uh, listen, folks, again, I want to mention going to 247hawkeye.com. Uh, also, giving us a follow uh, on Twitter at 247Hawkeye and on Instagram at official 247Hawkeye.com page. Dean, say goodbye to the fans, my friend. Goodbye, fans. Thank you for I listening. And go Hawks! And don't forget to tune into the game tomorrow night. There to we watch go. Iowa, we Iowa versus Minnesota. Minnesota tomorrow night. <laughs> Hopefully, Iowa uh, can go back to 500. Fully expect that to happen. Uh, we're going to have our post-game podcast <laughs> after that game. So, uh, listen, folks. Remember, as always, DBAP, don't be a pussy willow. And facts over feelings because your feelings don't matter. Love y'all. Share, like, comment. And do your thing. Have a good rest of your night and enjoy the game tomorrow. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Go Hawks.